I need to know everything Who in the what and the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying But I like it's new what you're telling me I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche There's five and a horse, I'm ready for war I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost I need to know everything Now you be surprised at the Hello and welcome to JK Plus One I am your host, Jonathan Kinchin I am not back with you from the Brooklyn Bunker I am uh, not PTF Although, uh, PTF Oh, PTF, my man He's been, uh, he's been a good, uh, good rock this week uh, challenging and interesting week filled with, uh, uh <laughs> I'm going to skip that word. Oh, um, anyways, but no PTF, love me some PTF. He, uh, he definitely earned his stripes this week, uh, being my, uh, being my partner in crime. So I'm always appreciative of, of PTF and, uh, and, and you guys as well, man. I mean, I know that I've, uh, we've done some flagship shows and we've done some shows in between now and last week and, and, uh, and and I haven't really even tweeted this yet, so I'm I'm just gonna say it here. But like, man, the the, the notes I've received and like the just the people that have reached out, friends and and, and people that that uh, friends, acquaintances, family, and then even just like uh, it's a weird word, but like fans, people that are like that that, that like to listen to the shows or or enjoy what we do on the Fox Show, just people. Um, reaching out has been, uh, has been great. So, man, I, I really appreciate that. So thank you. I don't want to think that stuff went ignored. So, um, yeah, anyways, moving on, uh, it's upon us, right? We got a couple more weeks left at Belmont then we'll be, uh, then Saratoga and then Del Mar and, and, uh, and although it seems racing is, is, uh, is sliding at least a little bit closer to something that we resemble as normal, unfortunately, not really sure about the rest of the world. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed and hoping that uh, we can continue to trend in the right direction or at least get trending back in the right direction. Um, what else? Uh, subscribe. We got a new website. We like updated the website a little bit, not new, but just like a little bit different. So in the top right corner, it says subscribe. If you haven't done that, do us that favor and subscribe. Um, when new shows come out, it'll alert you on your phone and that way you don't have to worry about missing anything. And I'm sure you can, you can manage those notifications so it's not annoying. But uh, we appreciate that. It, it helps us with uh, with numbers and things like that. Um, what else? What else? What else? Um, let's get into it. I uh, I I think I tell this story at the beginning, but I, I feel like I should just address it here quickly. But um, I this person came to my attention a couple of times, just seeing him do interviews. And I was like, wow, that, that's he's an interesting young fellow. And then. Um, as a horse player first, I, he did an interview with Maggie Wolfendale the first day of Belmont when it opened and he closed it by thanking the betters. And at that point I said, I gotta, I gotta know more about this kid and, and, uh, and, and get to know him more and, and figure out about his journey and, and his goals and what he's, uh, what, what he has in store for us with his career as a rider. And man, and I, and I'll say more about it at the end, but dude, if you listen to this and you don't root like hell for this kid, you got, you need to see a therapist or something because he is, uh, his, his excitement and his enthusiasm is, is infectious and his, his, uh, understanding of the world at such a young age is, is far, far ahead of where I think I was when I was 24 and, and probably where most of you were. So, um, I'm, I'm honored to have him on the show and, and really looking forward to everyone else getting to, uh, to experience the, the, the hour and 15 minutes uh, of, of Ray Lou Gutierrez that I did. Ray Lou, what's going on, my man? Hey, what's good? How are you, brother? I'm good, man. I'll I tell you what, I, I, uh, 
I was on the uh, the Fox broadcast and uh, for the opening of Belmont, and you won the first race. And Maggie interviewed you, and and uh, I'd heard you talk before or whatever. And but uh, during that interview, something that like just really, I was like, oh my god, I got to have this guy on. You know, is when at the end you thanked the betters, and I was like, oh my god, this dude like really gets it. Like uh, just the fact that like you know, as a horse player, I mean, I came to this game as a horse player, and and obviously, I don't want to pat horse players on the back too much, but I'm, I'm pretty proud of our of uh, of our uh, involvement and support as it pertains to the sport. And I just thought, as a young guy and as a rider, for you to recognize that, I thought I was pretty cool. Yeah, man. I mean. Listen, without the betters, the handicappers, we're just, uh, you know, there's no money. So, uh, we know, we're just a, a fair, you know, we're, we're, you, know you, you don't really know what we are. I mean, obviously, I love the game. I love everything I stand for it. But um, the betters, they, they put money in the game and uh, they're super important. So, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, we're, do, we do something wrong when we don't recognize them. And, um, you know, so you, you got to say thank you to them at all times. Yeah, man, that's pretty cool. Um. What, uh, you know, obviously I think, I think a lot of people have probably seen, uh, you know, little bits and pieces of your story. So, you know, I'd probably be a mistake for us not to cover some of it, but you know, obviously you're a young guy and, and, and it's not like you're the only one, but it's not the typical route that, that, uh, that riders take where they, they, you know, they, they leave, they go to college, they have normal college experiences and then they graduate and then they come back to racing what what was kind of your path of becoming a rider and, and, and how did it all unfold yeah i mean uh, you know I, I took an unconventional path because the unconventional unconventional path wasn't even supposed to be a path at all you know i was never planning on being a jackie i didn't i didn't want to be a jackie you know um, you know i love i love food i love uh you know i love the normal person lifestyle i expected the, the eight to five or, you know time uh, job time you know it's just uh and that's what my parents wanted. That's what my family wanted. Um, and for the longest time, that's what I wanted. You know, I, I, the horses for me were, you know, the, obviously they gave me a roof. My dad's a trainer. My uncles were jockeys. Uh, and they gave me a lot of work at, work ethic. You know, my foundation came from the horses. And, um, you know, every summer I just had more money than my friends. Because, you know, they went to go work uh, at Target, Walmart, whatever. Uh, GNC. I was working with the horses. I was galloping horses, bringing horses up to run, ponying horses in the afternoon. You know, that's what I did. And I, you know, I was making uh, what what everybody else makes. That's in the um, that's it's an exercise rider, groom, etc. So you know, my summer vacations were filled with money. But that's you know, I never really went on more than that. And um, I didn't want it to either. You know, and uh, whenever I had practice or whenever I had you know lacrosse tournaments or. Uh, whatever, you know, I would just tell my dad and, you know, he'd just be like, yeah, you know, go do your thing. And, uh, it was the best, you know, I lived, I lived the best of both worlds, uh, because when you're a race tracker, you get, you live one world and when you're a normal person or, you know, normal quote unquote, you know, you live another world. And, um, it was just perfect for me. I could balance it out, you know, because I saw my high school, Victor senior high school, you know, is, is a great high school super you know into academics very good in sports but it's also a higher end uh school it's like it's literally a college campus it's beautiful and uh i saw people you know uh, upper middle class high class you know and i was always around them but then you go onto the farmington side of the town where i you know where i lived and you go to the racetrack you see people who live in the dorms and the backside and uh the immigrants you know who, who come to this country to make a living 
to be to send back to their families and, and their countries or you know in the winter go back to their countries and i i fell in love with with uh how hard they worked and you know i i realized that life is not um it's not easy it's not what my high school makes it seem you know and these people they you know they worked so hard every day and they were just uh the most amazing people you know they didn't have the luxuries that everybody else had but they were just so happy with what they had the barbecuing after the races they were so content and i found that so interesting that you know um my buddy over here x was crying because he couldn't get a lacrosse stick for 150 bucks and my man over here was so happy he got you know uh, uh, the, the best steak that was on sale and i was like you know i i learned how to be grateful from a, from a young age and and you know i just mixed both worlds together and it was a amazing opportunity for me amazing experience for me and uh, i really just uh sit back on it now that i'm a little bit older you know it's just uh you know I'm glad that I took the path that I took and I was able to get an education and, but also that I'm, I'm here doing what I love. Yeah, man. I mean, I, dude, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm excited just to continue to watch your career just cause I think you're uniquely positioned where that experience you just talked about of understanding and, you know, kind of understanding both sides of the equation, right. The, the, yeah. you know, not to the full extent of extent of the haves and the have nots, but just the different lifestyles that people live. And I think that that, that allows you to, I, I, you know, I, sometimes I call it being bilingual and I don't mean like being able to speak Spanish or being able to speak a different, you know, French or whatever. I mean, just being able to understand, to speak the language, to sit, you know, that, that time when you ride a grade one horse for, for a, a billionaire and you go to dinner and you can have a conversation that, you know, a lot of guys in your position might feel uncomfortable having, right. you know, and then you can also go to the backside and hang out with the grooms and the hot walkers and have a conversation with them to make them, you know, feel not to make them feel any worse about their situation. And I just think that that's, you know, being able to kind of, to kind of speak out of, uh, out of experience from both sides, man, put you in such an unbelievable position that it's got me excited, dude, about your career and where that can go. And, um, now I also think something's pretty cool is just like, you know, talking to Richie Migliori and Gary Stevens and, and, you know, Angel Cordero and, you know, all my friends that, that are riders or were riders, just like, the, the struggle of, of, you know, the, the food and you mentioned loving food. I also noticed that like your background, your, your, your degree in, in exercise science, I feel like that's another thing that's like, you know, a lot of these guys had to cut corners, but you, like you understand food and I feel like there's a way that you're going to be able to do that in a, in a way that's going to keep you at a high level for a long time. Right. So, I mean, listen, uh, it's just, it's very interesting. To, to see all the different diets, the, the different fads and the different this and that. And at the end of the day, it comes down to discipline. It doesn't matter who you are. And, and just to name the three guys you just did, Angel rode in a time period where the weights were just lighter. If he rode in, in this time period that I'm riding in, I don't think he would have a problem with his weight, you know, unless he was eating uh, King Umberto's every day, which I hi- highly doubt. So, you know, and, but his, in his time period, you know, the, the regular weights were 112, 111 113 if that was the norm in today's age i would have a problem myself i would have to be extremely disciplined and and have to and and i'm pretty sure there would be some guys in in our jockeys room right now who if they wrote in that time period they would be out of a job because it's just uh as time goes on science is proof that you know people have gotten bigger 
And um, it, it's just, it would just be very difficult to make the 112, 113, 114s regularly. And that's why, to me, my my in my opinion, the greatest rider of all time will always be Lafitte Pinkat because he did it in the time period that uh, he had to maintain his weight the way he did, and it was a lighter time time frame. And Lafitte Pinkat is also bulkier than me. You know, he's bigger than myself and Cordero. So it's just, um, you know, that's my two cents there. But, uh, you know, as far as Migliore goes, I mean, I see him and, you know, again, in that time period, you know, 90s, also a lighter. And, and he's taller than me. He's, you know, he's got long arms. And that makes it very difficult. Same thing with Gary Stevens. So I commend those gentlemen on, on their discipline because I know for a fact, because my uncle is the same body style as Richard Migliore. And I literally witnessed him struggle all the time. And um, his 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 diets were just to the extreme. He would literally, Finger Lakes had dark days, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So Monday evenings, Tuesdays, he would just like eat, you know, just carb up, just load up on carbs because he knew the other six, five days of the week, he was going to have zero carbs, you know. And, um, and that's something that, you know, especially going to school, I chose that, you know, profession because I had an injury during my high school, my senior year of lacrosse, and I just fell in love with it. But I also fell in love with, you know, just athleticism in general. I love the working out. I love going on runs. People hate going on runs. I love going on runs. It's what I do every day. I don't go into the sauna because I go on runs. And it's something that I just, it's just an inner challenging, you know, of yourself. And, um, that this, you know, get, getting my degree in exercise science, it just taught me how to take care of your body, you know, physically, how to take care of your, how to take care of your diet, how to know that, listen, you can enjoy such and such meal at, at such and such time, you know, if you portion it correctly, you know, and, and that's the main thing, you know, we all have cravings. Come on. I want a Snickers all the time, but I need to know that, listen, I can't have the full Snickers bar. I can have maybe a quarter of it and that should be enough to get rid of my cravings. You know, so you're mixing your discipline in while you're having a little bit of what you want or a panini or something like that. But you got to know, listen, I can't do it. If you know that you're going to have carbs one day or if I know, I'll have that slice of pizza. I'll have this or that. But I, I know I can't snack. I know I can't have this, can't have that. You know, you, you, you take what you can get. Now, also with myself, I'm a little bit smaller. I'm, I'm bulkier. I have mass, but I'm a small guy. I'm five foot one. And for me to get over 116, 17 pounds, if I wanted to, it's just hard in general. You know, so I'm, I'm very blessed. And, but as far as me maintaining, getting down to 112 and staying like that, it is difficult because my body does want to go up. That just requires me conditioning every day. You know, I have I take one day off a week from conditioning. I want to be always in top physical form conditioning. But as far as eating, I'll always limit myself to about 1,280 calories a day specifically, about 28 grams of carbs. And, and that's just what helps me. And um, now the 28 grams of carbs will only come in literally today, Monday, and Tuesday, dark days. But once uh, Wednesday's hit, and through Sundays, it's just no carbs, you know. So this past week, I was actually kind of bad, you know, because I rode pretty heavy. So I, I didn't really care as much. But that, again, that affects me for this upcoming week. So I, starting from today, I had to be like, okay, I enjoyed these past couple of days. But th- these next few days, I need to be very strict with myself. Man, I can't, I can't. How old are you? 
24. Dude, I was 24. I was killing Miller lights and stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Don't know <laughs> well, listen, it. listen, listen. I mean, again, I, I lived both worlds. Okay. Not every, from the ages, like I think I read was riding at 17, 18. He was already doing this whole Naira thing. Okay. And same with Jose and same with Manny. 16, 17-year-old Ray, 18-year-old, 19-year-old Ray. I was over there, uh, SUNY Cortland, Delta Chi fraternity, you know, Miller Lights. Those were on the expensive side. So we were going PBAs, you know, Keystones. And I enjoyed that part of my life very much. Um, I enjoyed it to the fullest. I was an average college kid, like everybody else's son, like every trainer's son or daughter, owner. So... So they understand and you know i i did it you know and now but now i'm at a point where because when i started my career my uncle made that very clear to me you you obviously you know can't do what you were doing and my cousin was at university of buffalo so my uncle had experience with my cousin and uh it was just like this is a serious profession if you're not going to take it 110 percent seriously then don't even be don't even try it and I, I knew that i knew that because i know how hard the people from the from the racetrack work so, I mean, now it's kind of just like, you know, I don't, it doesn't even cross my mind because I know I have so much to gain. And if I do go another path, I have so much to lose. You know, we've seen what Jerry Bailey has spoken on, uh, on Pat Day on alcoholism and things like that. So it's just, um, I enjoyed my previous life in college, like everybody else, but now I really enjoy my professional career and, uh, it's, it's a blessing. No, that's awesome. What, uh, Who's, I guess this is kind of like a two part question because I guess it'll impact your answer. But uh, the first one is Do you speak Spanish? And the second one is Who is your like, who's kind of like your mentor, your kind of your go to? Who's kind of taking you under their wing and in, in your wing in the uh, in the room there at Naira? Spanish is actually my first language. Um, I didn't speak English that well until I was not older, but like maybe until I was like eight or nine. Um, but because at home, all we did was speak Spanish. So I, We'll have a Spanish conversation any day before an English conversation. I also think in Spanish. It's just easier for me. Um, as far as in the jocks room, it depends what jocks room I'm in. If I'm in Gulfstream, I mean, Amisel Jaramillo really took me under his wing when I was down there, and I learned a lot from him, especially my uncle. My uncle was always a one phone call away. But here in New York, I really, really just watch and uh, speak with Joel Rosario. I talk with him all the time, how he rides races, what he thinks about things. And, um, and Jose Lascano. Jose Lascano is, uh, you know, he's well known by my family, but myself, you know, I've, and um, he's Panamanian, just like my family. And um, I, I've learned a lot from Jose Lascano. And uh, he's, he's meant a lot to my career. And uh, another gentleman that, you know, is always on the phone ready to call me that, you know, he's recently retired is uh, Cornelio Velasquez. You know, he was a Naira fixture on my, for, for years, and uh, he's always been there to help me. So, but those three guys are absolutely the most. What, uh, you know, obviously, you know, your career is just continuing to, to travel in the right direction. You got your first classic mount recently with, with Jungle Runner, which I'm sure was a ton of fun. But what is next? Like, what are you, uh, you going to do? Are you going to go to Saratoga? You, I mean, I had heard maybe Monmouth. What, what's your plan uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks when the meet's over at, uh, I guess, maybe a week. We're a week away, right? Two weeks, week, whatever, two weeks, two weeks away two from weeks. Belmont. What's your plan after that? Yep. So we're going up to Saratoga. Um you know, Saratoga is a special, prestigious meet, and uh, we have some momentum carrying us there. Um, you know, guys who have been on this Naira circuit for years, like Kendrick and Dylan and Eric, you know, I don't see my business as too far different from theirs, to be honest. So I'm just, um, if they're going, then I'm telling myself, why not, Why shouldn't I go? You know, and um, 
I understand, you know, people conventionally may say, you know, mammoth is easier and, and it, it, it might as well be, you know, um, but it could also be very difficult because I'm not uh, familiar in the mid-Atlantic region. There's a lot of trainers from the mid-Atlantic and um, Trevor McCarthy, uh, Antonio Gallardo, you know, and obviously the, the normals there, Nick and uh, Paco will be there. So it's, it's going to be a pretty salty meet. And um, there's going to be guys coming in from everywhere, guys who are hungry, who haven't rode since maybe they left Tampa early, maybe left uh, Gulfstream early. Um, so there's guys coming into Jersey from everywhere, from Parks, from Penn, from Delaware, Maryland. You know, and the purses at Maryland, they got cut. So jockeys from Maryland are going to Monmouth. So it's going to be very interesting. You know, as far as Saratoga, you know, obviously it's going to be the same guys from New York, same New York people. And uh, I'm just building there. And uh, my momentum is carrying me there. And, uh, you know, and, and going to Saratoga will only help me more for uh, the Belmont fall. And, of course, uh, my, my bread and butter, the the Africa winter. So, um I'm excited for that. It's going to be a big, big opportunity. It's going to be very tough. It's going to be, I'm not, I'm not the claw for everything I get, you know, and that's okay with me. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm hungry. And, uh, you know, I've reached out to some people that, Hey, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, there, you know, if jockeys can't even go out in the morning and there's no racing, Hey, you know, I'll go home to, to Finger Lakes, you know, for anybody, whether it's back home or from New York, I mean, I'll take that three hour drive and uh, get some home cooking and, uh, go right back home. Why not? Yeah, and no, I mean, you know, look, I I've never even ventured into the business of of being a jocks agent or and knowing the ins and outs. So I don't, you know, forgive me for speaking out of school. But I, you know, I think it's a good idea, man. You know, it's like you said, your your business is in is in New York, and um, you know, I think that one thing about you, I think that that stands out is is relationship building for you is going to be a lot easier than a lot of other guys. Right. So I think exposing yourself to as many opportunities to do that is fine. If you write a 50 to one shot for an outfit and you have a, 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 a you know, a, a good impression with the owner and with the trainer and whatever, like that's just going to, that's going to parlay into other business for you when you get back to Aqueduct. They're going to be like, Hey, remember that kid we rode in the summer? He's great. He's man, da, 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 right. da, or whatever. I think yeah. it's, I think it's smart, man. You know, you go to Monmouth and maybe you make a little bit more money. You win a few more races, but, but is that I don't know how much that really helps you in the long run of exactly. your, your ultimate goal. You know, everyone's yeah, watching exactly. Saratoga. Exactly, and you know, it's just uh, I feel comfortable in Saratoga. You know, I was went there growing up. Uh, I'm going up with my with my dog and my girlfriend Stephanie. So we're just we're gonna have a great time up there, and um, you know, we're familiar up there. And um, it, it's just uh, it it's uh, I'm going into same way I'm going into with to, to the Belmont meet. I'm going to Saratoga with open arms. I, I don't matter who I ride for, what I ride. I'm going out there to do my best, get better, and, you know, keep showing people, listen, I won 100-some-plus races my first year of riding as a bug boy. I won 100-plus races my first year as a journeyman last year, and now we're here. So it's not like I'm a scrub trying to make it, you know. It's like I, I'm okay, you know. I'm, I'm getting better, but I'm very hungry, and if given the opportunity, you know, I know I can capitalize on it. Right. And, you know, one of the things I'll tell you is, is, is I think it's really important at Saratoga is like, you know, prices win at Saratoga. I think everyone kind of shoots their shot there. So trainers, owners, whatever, I think prices win there. I think the the important thing is like, is really understanding the, the, uh, the nuances of like the, of the, the turf courses, obviously I think are important, you know, with the, right. the two different, the two different, you know, the inner and the outer. And then also just like, you know, last year, I don't know what it's going to be like this year, but last year the rail was horrible. 
Mm-hmm. And I kept seeing guys that I root for go down there. I'm like, come on, stop doing that. <laughs> like I, you know, and, and I understand the tough part, you know, I had a good conversation with, with a couple of guys just about like, you know, when it comes to how hard it is for you guys when it comes to trainers, because if you ride for a trainer who might not be aware that the rail is dead and you go four wide all the way around there, that could be a fireable offense for you. And you're, it's, and he tells you to save ground and you know, that's not what you're supposed to do. Like what the heck are you supposed to do? Right. You, and yeah, you don't I, have a choice. Absolutely. And, and, and that literally happened to me the other day. Um, I wrote, I wrote a favor for Steven S. Houston. Um, and you know, I finished second in that race. The winner went like 11 wide around the turn and, uh, he broke bad. He stayed wide and he made it home. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to ride the right race. I'm inside, I'm saving ground. I, I split some seams and I finished second. And it's like, you know, maybe if I would have went 10 wide, I would have won the race. But if I would have won 10 wide and I would have lost the race, I can count that I'm never riding for that guy again. Yeah, it's tricky, man. It's, that's a, it's like a, man, that's like the definition of between a rock and a hard place, right? It's like, and, and here's the thing, and, and this is just being blunt, like Irad or Joel, they can do that because right. Right. They're riding back. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's a hard place, man. When, in, when, when, when you have to kind of ride scared, you know, and I don't mean scared for your, you know, for your safety. I mean, scared for is, is the decision I make in this 12 seconds when I'm going 40 miles per hour and a thousand pound animal, is this, is, is this going to be okay with who is who I'm riding for? And that's right. man, that's a, I, it's an envy. I don't envy that, that position. Um, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm not thinking about that. I'm just thinking, or, and, and as well as riders in my position, we're just thinking of giving our horse the best race. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're just thinking, okay, you, you take the safe, you know, you don't always risk it for the biscuit per se. Like, you're not going to go, you know what, I'm going to do this because if I mess up, I'm, I'm going to be okay. You know, and it's just, it's just like, okay, maybe I'll stay inside a little bit longer and, you know, hold my position and then go through and, and it'll, it, you know. If I lose, I'll, I'll be okay. You know, I, I, so I'll be all right. You know, it's just, uh, it's just all, it all just depends, man. Like, you know, sometimes I'll take risks because I'm just like, you know what? If it works out, great. And if it doesn't, well, man, I, at least I can tell them I tried. But sometimes you're just like, yeah, you know what? I'm not taking a risk, man. I'm just, I'm doing the best that I can with what I have presented in front of me and going from there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, there's just one that I always remember that, that stands out to me on this topic. It's like uh, last year with McKenzie um, and Matoli and the Met Mile, the rail was good, man. It was gold that day. It was just like, that's where you wanted to be. That's where Sir Winston was a majority of the time when Joel gave him that beautiful ride. That's where, you know, it, that's just, that's where you wanted to be that day. And Mike Smith on McKenzie spent the entire time down there, but in in the meantime got stuck in behind horses. And as good as Matoli was, I think I think that if Mike could have got clear earlier, he would have won. And it even happened to him. He got butchered for that ride and ended up eventually getting taken off. He's back there now. But that's just one thing, man, when it comes to riders. I know horse players, and and that's one of the reasons why I was so impressed by you know, by acknowledging horse players. Horse players are unfair to riders, in my opinion, um, for a lot of different reasons. You know, I remember Tyler was riding Zulu Alpha down at Gulfstream and it was a paceless race and everyone knew it was a paceless race and Tyler moved a little early, wide and early. And it ended up, it ended up kind of, it probably cost him in the long run, but my, I'm trying to mature in that, in that area where like, how can you be mad at him? Like he knew the pace, it was a paceless race. 
And he had to move because if he wouldn't have moved, people would have crucified him for not moving. So right. it's just a, it's a catch 22, man. And I, like I said, I don't, I, it would be very hard to do my job with that kind of hanging over my head. So I, you know, I, I commend you guys for having to deal with that. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, and Tyler, Tyler's, Tyler's, Tyler's a young guy, but he knows, he knows pace, you know, I'll give him, and he's, he's a hell of a rider. So, you know, I remember exactly what race you're talking about. And uh, I felt he made the right move too. So, I mean, it, it, like you said, you know, if you don't move on a 25 pace, you know, and you're sitting back there, you're going to come home and be like, what are you doing? You're ripping my horse's face off. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. He, he definitely made the right move. Yeah. And I just think that like, you know, I think that, I think that I would all, I have, I'm of the a- approach and I don't know how, if you, this is even something that crosses your mind, but if you're going to make it, if my rider, when I say my rider, the rider of a wager or whatever, rider of a horse that's riding, a, you know, that I need, I would rather them err on the side of aggression rather than being passive. Absolutely. You're there, you're there you to know, win. You're not there to finish second. Yeah. I don't, I don't you know, I don't need you, you know, I, don't, I just, just go, go on with it. I'd rather you get in a duel than get beat than be, than close into a slow pace. Right. Right. So, um, anyways, I, that was just my, uh, uh, my, how aware are you and what do you do? And do you mean, are you a daily racing forum guy to kind of get ready for, for your races and, and to look yeah. at what your, what do you, what are your tools? I have formulator, you know, I, I, you know, I'm very scientific. I'm very into the numbers. So I do pay attention to them. I believe in biases. You know, I know some guys don't believe in biases. They just believe in the best horse. I, I believe in what statistics prove. So I try to study my formulator as much as I can, watch the replays on my horse. Um, I love watching replays on speed horses because there's some speed horses that it's just like, if they get in front, they're fast by themselves, but you put a horse next to them and they'll just coward. And they can have the highest speed figure of that opening quarter or half a mile. But just if I just get next to them, I know they're going to come back to me. No matter if we go 24 or 23, they're, they're going to stop, you know. But um, I do listen to that. And I listen to the, you know, I, I to me, I think, listen, handicappers are people who spend their time in horse racing. They obviously spend their time in horse racing for a reason. A, because it's their job. B, because it's what they really like to do. So I'm not going to sit here and say like Andy Sterling hasn't like helped me because I, if he like, I've listened to his show, I've listened to his critiques and I don't take anyone's critique to heart because first off, listen, you might have spent a thousand bucks on me and Hey, it's a thousand bucks. You know, I, I would be probably pretty mad to put myself in the better shoes. So I understand it. It's, it's an, I know it's not personal. So it's okay, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, betters, they, they make it too offensive and personal, but a lot of the times, a lot of guys out there, you know, they say things for like, you know, for a reason. And then if you kind of be rational about it, you put it together and you're just like, huh, why did he say that? You know, and you try to like, you know, dissect it a little bit and you're like, you know what, maybe I could do a better job of doing that. He's right. I don't, I'm not going to admit it to him, but he is right, you know, and, um, it's just, you know, if you listen to, to people who are sharp in the game and um, you, you learn, you just learn how to handicap horses better. You really do. And, you and, and you know, obviously those those track biases, they exist, man, especially in aqueduct in the winter. They really exist. That rail gets deep really quick over there. So it's I think I think that's just important for me to, to just keep my ears open and listen and to, to just take take all the positive stuff that you can get from them, you know, because it helps you win races. I'm not going to say it doesn't. No, man, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I'm, I have a feeling, <laughs> I have a feeling I'm going to, this summer I'm going to be 
playing pick fives and I'm going to see like first time starters. I'm going to see your name. I can already see my money going out the window. So I'm like, Oh damn, I got to use Ray Lou. I can't not use Ray Lou. I'm going to be, I can already tell I'd be overly inclusive. Um, no, nah, dude, I just, it's, it's, you know, I think a lot of horse players, they have this impression. I think, I think a lot of times what happens if I can, if I can offer you this is I think what happens is like horse players will stay at a form for an hour and they'll feel like they understand the race. They've designed the race. They understand who's supposed to be on the front, who's supposed to come from out of it. They got to, you know, all these things. And then in, in a race, when the rider of the horse that they need or whatever does something outside of what they thought was supposed to happen, I think they take it personally is either A, that, um, that you didn't do your homework or, and that, you know, they did their homework. This is your job. You're making the money and you're not doing it. I think that's what they, I think that's, I think that's what they do. It doesn't make sense to me, but I think that's what they do. And I just think it's just like, uh, dude, you're going 40 miles per hour. Your life is on the line. And I just, and you don't have the, you don't, you're not sitting on your couch with a pan view of the TV. It's, I, I just don't think that, that makes sense or is completely fair. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, you guys spend so much time doing that and it's just kind of like, eh, you know, like it's, uh, it's like, I don't spend, I know I don't spend as much time as these handicappers and gamblers looking at a program. I, I know I don't like you guys will look at them for hours because you guys want to make money off of this. I make money from winning, not betting, but you guys make money from studying every horse, farm, races, conditions. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, if, if, if a jockey can meet halfway, you know, with a handicap or in that, like insight, you know, it's kind of like, you know, like I like for, listen, let, when I was a bug boy, I was really struggling when I first got to Africa. And I went, I reached out to Andy Sterling. I'd never talked to him before. And I was like, listen, I need help reading the form because every, any bug boy can win just because of the weight off. And um, it's just like, I need help how to actually read a form and how to study this. What do I do? You're like the lead handicapper for Naira. So I'm pretty sure you know what you're doing. And uh, he he was so cool. He took me in. He took some time with me. And uh, he helped me actually like go through races. Like, you should look for this. You should look for these times. And, you know, just like basic stuff that for you guys is like, how does he not know this? But for me, it was kind of like, listen, I'm, I grew up at Finger Lakes, okay? We're just looking at like you know, jamming back in seven days and uh, blinkers on, blinkers off, and that's it. You know, it's a, uh, but up, up in these leagues, these horses come from everywhere. It gets more intricate. And it, it was just like, it was such a cool learning experience. And I befriended him and Anthony Stabile and uh, David Aragona. And then you just, you just go learning and, you know, people are always there to teach you stuff, you know, and then you meet the owners who then they are handicappers and they'll teach you some stuff. So it's like, it, it's important to just take in what you feel is comfortable to take in. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, look, I think it's fair that you say that you you only got half of, you know, you might not do half as much work as we do from the form standpoint, but you make up for it more in your experience of actually being on their backs. You do work in the morning by exercising horses that you're going to be riding in the afternoon. I mean, there's dude, there's plenty of stuff going on that that uh, that you know, you you become more than 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 ready to rock and roll when it comes out there. Right. Um Jungle Runner. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I kind of feel bad. It kind of sucks. Like your first, your first, uh, you know, your first classic and, you know, there's no fans, you don't, you don't get to come out to the full vibe of it, but I'm sure it was just as exciting for you. It was, it was, it was, uh, an amazing opportunity. Uh, it was just, I was, I was so surprised to get that opportunity. And, um, when Toby Sheets, the assistant, um, reached out to Rudy and I, 
it was like, um, okay, uh, are you sure? Is that, that's us? And, uh, you know, and then we were, we were there and, um, it was just an amazing thing. And, uh, then Steve came out and Steve spoke to us and, um, it was just, it was just a wonderful opportunity. Um, yeah, no, I mean, dude, this, you got, you got to imagine that, that, uh, you know, that your first derby, those are just, those are, those are things you don't forget, you know, your first breeders cup. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, I remember, I mean, you know, just as a fan, as a horse player, like I remember the first time I like, you know, saw the Kentucky Oaks or the first time I went to, you know, the breeders cup. And it's like, I can only imagine, you know, those, how those are burned into my brain. I can only imagine how it would be to like sit on one in, in those situations. Right. You know, and just, uh. I hope I hope you know that in the in the, in the future I can uh, I can get those more opportunities with Steven you know or whoever you know they see a young rider riding a classic and you know hopefully that turns some heads you know I don't know a ton about lacrosse but um, was was lacrosse I mean you know so you, you said you're five one is that was that a disadvantage advantage how did that go <laughs> I, oh man in the open field definitely a disadvantage I got rung up a couple times more than a couple times. But in uh, close quarters, definitely an advantage for me. I was able to slip away from a lot of people, uh, yeah, keeping the stick close to my body. Um, it, it being five one had it definitely had its ups and downs, man. But in open field, on a clear, oh man, just uh, yeah, I was I was I was definitely a target. <laughs> what what uh. That's I you know I'm from the south, so like you know, obviously football is huge here, and lacrosse was starting to kind of come around right when I was in high school. I mean, I'm 37, so high, you know, actually I think I turned 38 pretty soon. Oh my god, it's unbelievable! But um, you know, it's it's obviously a pretty physical sport, right? It's a very physical sport. I mean they they've gotten more um they've gotten more you know tight with the rules over the past couple of years especially since i was playing but um it's a very physical sport and um you know th- those checks those cross checks they can get to you man if it's a clean cross check to the body i mean that's just like it's just like football getting tackled in open field you know it, they can uh they can knock you out but um as far as you know at, at any point in the game it's it's very you know even when you're in close quarters or whatever it's very physical i mean me being five one uh, some of those long stick defenders, you know, they were like six foot one, six two, two hundred and thirty pounds, and I'm five one, barely one hundred and twenty pounds, and it was just like, oh man, you know, like I was definitely had you know my fair share of bruises coming home every night. Now I noticed that you uh, you'd said that you studied abroad. Where where um wh- when was that, and, and where'd you go? I studied in uh, Fulda, Germany. Uh, I went uh, winter seventeen. And uh, while I was while I was studying there, you know, I did some backpacking. I left actually a couple of weeks early to assimilate into European culture. I was in uh, London for a while. I was in the Netherlands for for New Year's. So yeah, New Year's twenty eighteen. I was in uh, the Netherlands, Amsterdam. I uh, went then I was in Fulda, Berlin, uh, Barcelona. Frankfurt, you know, so it was a, uh, it was a really, really good trip. Uh, I was with my, uh, with one of my best friends, uh, Daniel Di Domenico, who's, uh, he's actually in the air force now. So, um, you know, shout out to him, but, um, he's, uh, he convinced me of the trip. I want nothing to do with it. I want nothing to do with paperwork. I knew where I was coming in the winter. I was coming, uh, 
right here to Belmont Park with my dad with this outfit of five horses. And, you know, I, I didn't want to leave him hanging. And my, my, my friend was just like, listen, this is going to be the opportunity of a lifetime. When you start riding horses, you're never going to have the opportunity to do this again or whatnot. And I was like, you know what? You're right, man. So I was like, mom, I'm going to Europe. And she was just like, okay. You know, and, and I was gone. Did you, uh, did you go any, did you do any, right? Did you go like any racetracks or anything when you were over there? No, no, I did nothing with the horse relations over there. I just went to experience a whole new life. Dude, it's so much fun. I love going. I, I, I uh, my brother's like a, a DJ. So I, he plays in London a lot and in Ibiza and all over the place. And like, I just, dude, it's so much fun going over there. And like, just, it just feels like, it feels like you're in a movie kind of, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, in Berlin, like the music, the deep, like we, you know, we went to a couple of clubs in Berlin and what a great time. What a great time. I mean, the culture over there is so different than, uh, than here in the States. And, uh, I really appreciated it. Now, one of your buddies you went to school with, he works at Naira, right? Yes. That's uh, pretty cool. Did you guys, did you guys, uh, sit out on a patio? So, I mean, a, a porch somewhere drinking keystones, talking about these times where you're <laughs> going to be riding in the Belmont. He's going to be working at Belmont. So, his name is Vinny Greco, and this is my man. This is my main man. So he, uh, I walk in Whitaker Hall, first day of fresh, first, you know, August 20-something, whatever. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous because my one of my best friends from high school, Pat Metzger, he was also going to Cortland as well, and he got put into Whitaker Hall as well. So I'm like, okay, you know, you think they'd put us together. And nope, they put them two rooms down for me. I was like, what? I was like, okay. So, um, you know, I get there first. I hate being the first one at things. So I'm just nervous. I'm setting up and everything. And then, and then here comes this guy. And uh, he's wearing a Naira t-shirt. And I was like, get the out of here. I was like, what, you, what, a, what is this? So, you know, and he's an older gentleman. He's like, hey, how are you? You know, I wasn't wearing anything horse related. I'm, I'm just a small dude. So the guy goes, hey, you look like a jockey. And I was like yeah i was like oh that's you know that's cool and then you know Vinny walks in he introduces himself hey what's up Vinny? he was much more confident at that second than i was i was just like oh, hey what's up man you know and uh you know we started talking and you know my dad comes in after and my dad's wearing i think uh, maybe it was a belmont cap or something and they start talking and my dad's like yeah i'm a trainer and uh his dad his dad was a trainer and um and then Vinny goes to me he's like man like no way like this is so funny like I, I I live right down the road from Belmont Park my dad and this so it was just funny how that happened and um you know we lived together freshman year and you know sophomore year we lived in the same building as well and then he joined Delta Chi and then I joined Delta Chi and he's my big in Delta Chi so it was just uh then we lived together you know junior and senior year off campus and uh you know it was just so funny because my our last year, like I graduated early and um I wasn't really there the last semester. I was only there for master's courses. So I was in Cortland only Mondays and Tuesdays and I would go back to Finger Lakes. And uh Vinny would just talk. He's like, Man, you know, I hope one day, you know, you're in Belmont and um I'm right I'm you know, I can work for Naira and I was like, Yeah, maybe someday you can be like a trainer or something I can ride for you and I was like, Yeah, man, that'd be cool. But like, you know, I had no intentions of even coming to New York at that time. You know, my I just wanted to ride at Finger Lakes make some money for my people, pay off, you know, a little bit of my student loans. But I had, I was just like, I'm not good enough to go to New York, you know, like maybe in another life, my man. 
And uh, yeah, now here we are. And uh, it was just so cool, to, you know, get a picture with him and just talk about it. Cause it was, you know, it, it's, it was literally things that we, you know, we, we were dreaming about. And um, fortunately we're here. That's crazy, man. Do you live in Long Island right now? Or is that like your kind of your main spot or? Yeah. You know, Long Island has really grown on me. So I live in Elmont right now with my girlfriend and um, it's really, really grown on me. I, I am an upstate suburban guy till, till the end. That's where all, all I want to be is have my house up there in Finger Lakes and just, you know, enjoy, you know, the quietness. But let me tell you, Long Island has really, really grown on me. And uh, I, I, I love it down here now. <laughs> is this going to be your first summer in Saratoga for like the full meal deal, like the whole time? Yeah, it is. Uh, Do you? I feel like you're going to cheat. It's not going to be the same, but it's um, last summer was actually my first just doing the Fox and doing the Nair stuff. It was the first time I went for the whole summer and it's just so, I just, man, I love it. Yeah. You know, from being from Texas, like that, it's just, it's a whole different vibe for me. It's probably not that crazy for you. It's probably, uh, probably pretty similar to like, yeah, you know, was, the Finger Lakes area, but. Yeah, it, it actually, it's really the same. You know, I, I would come every year with my uncle. My uncle would ride a couple horses here every year and it's the same, you know, it's, you know, we would go to the lake and, and whatnot. And it's, it really is the same, you know, just a little bit more hectic during the, uh, the racing year, but um, you, you take you know once racing season's over, it's it's probably a, a bit more quiet than uh, back home. Right. Um, Gulfstream. You, I mean, you spent a lot of time down there as well. How was that experience? Did you enjoy? Did you enjoy South Florida, or how was that? How was uh, how was that time? Uh, Gulfstream was uh, Gulfstream was actually it was a great time. You know, Gulfstream was an uh, interesting time, and you know, I uh, I didn't want to go there. At first, you know, when I first started riding, because I, I wanted nothing to do with South Florida. If anything, if I was going to go anywhere, I wanted to at least go to, like, the Maryland or, you know, like, the Mid-Atlantic. So I never want to stray too far away from home on a permanent basis. So, my, you know, my uncle was like, no, you're going to Florida. And, you know, I got to the agent. You're going to do fine. You're going to live with me. You're going to be fine. And I was like, oh. But in reality, I just didn't want to drive, like, 23 hours. I was like, screw that. So, but I did. And I got there and, um, it was, uh, it, you know, my first couple of months, it was slow. Cause I ended I arrived there in the championship meet. So I was really just galloping horses and breathing horses, getting ready. And, um, my agent on there, Bryce. So who has, who's had a, a Misa Jaramillo, he's like, listen, this is the plan. If you stick with the plan, if you believe in me, you're going to do just fine. And he mentioned the same things that you said, the speaking the English, uh, communicating with people he's like you're gonna be fine man you, you have talent you just gotta believe in yourself and you know he it took me a while to actually believe in myself and, and he helped me believe in myself a lot he was he wasn't just my agent he was he was a friend and we're still really good friends we talk actually all the time and um once i started to really believe in myself and my riding skills that you know what i can be a jockey that's when i really started to take off and i think it was after I won the stake, I won some stake for Michael Maker and Calumet Farms, and she was like twenty to one, Susie B, and I won that one on the grass. And after that day, I was like, you know what, I could do this. And after that, it was just lights out. You know, we had a, we were the leading, I was leading Bug Rider down there. I was, you know, one of the leading riders. Period down there. It was such a good meet for me. And, um, and he knew, like, he, he knew that my next step was New York, you know, he was like, you're going to go to New York. And, um, and he already had it outlined for me, you know, usually agents are more like, you know, well, we'll see what happens. Cause, you know, they want to make money too. And he was making money with me, but he knew that 
I could go up to New York and, and take it to another level. And, you know, I, I give him a lot of credit for being so unselfish like that. And, um, you know, so. Oh yeah. That's, really that's huge. Cause he could, you know, as a, as a young dude, he could, he could kind of, no, nah, man, I think, you know, I just, you're just getting going here. You, you know, you got to yeah. stay here and for him to kind of, to kind of send you off like that. That's, that's, you know, kudos to him and a ton yeah. of respect. And, and, you know, what's funny is like good people like that, it just comes back to them. You know what I mean? Like, in, right. Right, you know, and anytime, try to anytime, trick you. Anytime I see like a, a solid bug boy, or anytime a bug boy asks me nowadays or whatever, I'll always be like him. You know, go to Bryce, go to Bryce. He'll guide you the right way. He'll tell you. He'll tell you what you don't want to hear, and that's exactly what you need in life. Is you want to, you want the people. I don't want anybody in my life telling me all the time, "Oh my God, you did such a great job. You're this. You're that. You're 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 perfect." I I hate that. You know, like, and he was never like that. He was always like, "You did this good." But you can really work on this, 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 and that. And if you don't do this, my man, you're going to get buried. Or people are going to look at you like that. So stop doing this, you know. And that really helped me. He was always honest and, and, and tough with me. And, uh, you know, he helped me out a lot. As your career progresses, are you open to the idea of, like, how Irad and Jose do it? Will they come down there for the winter? Or or do you – Or I mean, and obviously things would change and who you get hooked up with and all that stuff. But do you just – or do you feel like you want to be in New York as much as you possibly can? I guess I guess that depends where my business takes me. I mean, Ramon Dominguez made New York his fortress, and he was a Clips Award winner three years in a row, and he never left. You know, he was always here. He would ship down a couple times and then come right back. I guess we'd have to see. But if I had my perfect little world, I mean, I would just want to stay here all year round. You know, I hate moving around. Um, you know, but um, I I give pa- uh, Javier, Johnny, Irad, Jose a lot of credit. Louis. Because, you know, they got to move their families around and ride over there and et cetera. But they follow the best horses. And, you know, I want to follow the best horses. I think, you know, you know, but I would love to do like Manny does. You know, Manny's doing right now. He's staying here in the winter and he still went down, wrote Tis the Law, came right back. I think that's, yeah. that's so great, you know, because Manny has a young daughter. And, um, you know, it just makes it easier for him and his him and his wife. And, um, you know, but uh, I love being in New York. You know, I'm, I'm a New Yorker and... Uh, I stand for New York, you know, so if, if I can just stay here, you know, I wish they would make the tax a little bit lower, but Hey, you know I mean? That's what you get for being a New Yorker. <laughs> Knicks or Nets? Ah, uh, Knicks, man. Come on. That's not even a question. Are, are oh, Nets I just double check. I just had to double check. You know, but I mean, Nets, come on, New Jersey, I guess, I guess you got, okay. Brooklyn, but like everyone knows it's like, you know, they were New Jersey for forever. I'm a, I'm a Kevin Durant fan. So I, I mean, cause I went to Texas and so I, you know, I have to, I, I have, when he goes, I root for, you know, but here's the thing. Here's the catch. Toronto is two and a half hours from Rochester. New York city is five and a half hours from Rochester. So I am a blue Jays fan. I'm a Raptors fan. I'm a Maple Leafs fan. You know, I got, I love New York. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. As far as sports go. I was. I'm always. I'm a Toronto guy. Drake. What about Drake? You like Drake too? Of course, I love Drake. I have. I have like my my hoodies are OVO. I have my OVO hat. You know, like I. I'm all about the six. Have you? Uh, <laughs> have you, we just lost like 17, <laughs> 17 people with the six thing? Oh, um, <laughs> they they trust me. They don't. They don't know. Um, have you ridden at Woodbine before? I haven't. I haven't. But I, I've seen the track. It's so beautiful and. Um, I hope I get the opportunity someday because I, I oh, dude, without a doubt, you'll, you'll get up there sooner than later. I'm sure. Um, 
talk to me about Ramon Dominguez. I, I know that you know you mentioned him earlier, and, and I've and I've seen some other things where you've done where you you know you kind of refer to him as kind of your idol in, in the in the game. What is it about Ramon that that uh, that puts him there for you? Uh, Ramon to me is just special. I mean, Ramon to me is like is he you know there's just so many things about him that are just um, amazing to me. First off, you know, he came from Venezuela and, you know, if you talk to like the inside, like, you know, horse racing people, the people who've been there for years, they all say the same thing. Like, you know, how he wasn't that good per se, um, you know, he was green and, you know, just, you know, he wasn't the Ramon that we know now. And, but at the same time, everyone will tell you no one worked harder than him to get better, that he would. He was humble with everybody, spoke with everybody. He put in the work. He he worked his butt off every year to get better and better. And when the chances came later in his career, you know, because he didn't start out, you know, not even as fast as I, I've fortunately been able to start off, you know, it took him some time and he kept grinding it out, became the king of Maryland, and then gradually came into New York and then became the king of New York. And, um, but to see how he did it, it just shows the longevity of this game, how it's, how it's a grind, you know, how, you know, I read Jose, they're like anomalies. You don't get that famous and have this success this early in your career. And I think a lot of young riders measure to them. And that's just not, it's not right. You put unexpected expectations on yourself and, you know, you get discouraged. Oh, because they did it. And it's like, you know, listen, I read Jose are super talented, but they're again, they're an anomaly. And, you know, look at how long it took Johnny, Javier, and all these guys to get the success they needed to in, in New York. It took them years. It took them to stand behind the Baileys, the Stevens, the Pat Days, you know, the Mike Smiths. And then they got their chance, and then they all rose, you know. So, I mean, but Ramon, he grinded it out, and then he became the king. He just does it with such – he did it with such grace and elegance. And always watching him, his style of riding was so patient. He barely used the crop a bunch of times, and – and then he's just an idol for me for how his career has changed into what he is. Because, you know, I can only imagine myself if I was at the top of the game and uh, making all, you know, all this, the fame, the accolades, just doing what you love. And then having that all taken away from you. And um, to feel sad and, you know, I can only see myself and, and just how he's come back to help the game, to give back to everybody, the chaplain, the new racing crop, um, just everything he's he's done for the game post racing has just um, it just made me idolize him even more because it just it just goes to show how powerful he is that even as great as a jockey he was, it just shows how great of a person and human being he is. And um, I hope I can be somewhat near him because he's he's the man, you know. And I can call him anytime and he'll answer the phone and he'll try to critique me on anything I ask and he's just that good you know he's 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 so great so you know he's he's definitely just an idol not only for me as a jockey but as a person you mentioned um you mentioned the the crop and the 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 cushion crop that he that he uh helped creator and was involved with and and you talked about you know his his not really using it is you know very much I think Joel is very similar too I, I feel like Joel is like He's usually just he, he. I see him hand ride more than most. Um, I've never really noticed. Like, where, where do you rank kind of on a scale of one to ten of your your crop use? Where are you are you pretty busy with it, or do you try to mm-hmm. not, or are you cognizant I, of it? 
I, I try to not because I feel, I feel, you know, it's a horse is when, when a horse is going to run, if it, like in the morning in a breeze, you know, you don't use the crop you, rarely. You just tap on shoulders a couple of times. Hey, get going. But that lat, when they turn for home, they, they run, they finish in 11 and change, 12 and change. They, they are running at the end without even using your crop. So, and that's because, you know, you put them, you rate them, you know, the other three furlongs, you just rate them down and whatever, and then you let them go. And that's it. That And that's how it should be done. And, um, you know, I think, you know, you know, it's just, it's, we're riding a very fine line with the, with the guidelines and rules that are being done right now. They're not using any jockey info, which is totally unfair. And, and, um, guys like Johnny, Joel, Javier, they deserve to have a say in, 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 in what's going on. But it's just, um, as far as myself with the crop, I, I don't, I don't see myself being that busy in crop because I feel like, you know, especially on the grass, if a horse, if all, if a horse is going to run for you at the end, you know, just a couple taps on the shoulder, you know, you, you bring it up one time, just a reminder, hey, let's go. Honestly, on the grass, that's really all you need. Sometimes on the, on the dirt, you know, you got to, you know, remind them a little bit more, encourage them a little bit more. But again, I, you watch the best riders, Johnny, Javier, Joel. I mean, sure, they're riding some pretty great horses, but on a consistent basis, you see them not use the crop as much. And, you know, and that's something that, hey, the, the sport is evolving towards that method. So it's kind of either get on the same page or get out. And, you know, it, it's a very, it, it, it also teaches you. I mean, listen, the best hand rider of all time is to me the best jockey of all time, Lucky Pikachu. And he was the master of hand riding. Keep, keep hand riding your horse to the wire, you know, because sure, sometimes the horse is dead tired and you use the crop and he's going to go left or right. So just have that cross really tight and just hand ride him to the wire and hey you might get that third that fourth place finish for the for the owner you know and and that'll speak and go a long way now um so i guess the question i was going to ask was was do you feel like um you know obviously you know we'll we'll leave those conversations like he said to to the guys in the room that that uh can talk about whether you know what would happen if or with they didn't have them or so on or and so forth but the restrictions just from a mental standpoint how hard would it be in the middle of a race to like know how many times you've used the, the stick i mean is that i mean like you can only use it five times i mean is that going to be pretty weird if that was something that happened i mean i to me, it seems like a hard thing to try to keep count of in the middle. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be difficult. I mean, if that, especially that last 16, if my horse is, you know, responding to it and he's coming from off the pace or, or just, he's just, just barely getting there. Like, am I, you know, you got to ask yourself, you know, are you really going to stop using the crop to, to lose? You know, like, is that okay? Is it, is it, is it going to be acceptable to owners and trainers that, you know, maybe if my jockey had one more strike, he would have been able to get there is it going to be acceptable to gamblers and to people who bet like you know i bet x amount of dollars on this horse but these rules they have now just cost me all this money why would i come back and bet uh horse racing what's the point of it you know like and i feel like it's gonna upset a lot of people it's gonna obviously you know please a lot of people but you know we're really riding a fine line and as far as you know obviously with the with the fines and they're imposing and how strict they're being I guess you really do have to try to be cognizant about it. But it's I think in the first couple months they start enforcing these rules, there's gonna be a lot of fines, but it's gonna take a little bit to get used to. 
Now, this is, you know, as a young guy, you know, I think that, you know, in this, you know, I'm not trying to full pivot to this conversation, but in this day and age, this, this kind of the new kind of like woke generation, and, and there's a lot of positive things that come with that, right? You know, the, just equality and a lot of things that are good about that kind of woke uh, mm-hmm. uh, kind of culture. But as a young guy, I would think that just in general, like, you know, the younger that you get, the more woke your peers happen to be. And as a young 24-year-old with the social media and just whatever, I would imagine that you're surrounded by a bunch of woke peers. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had any like conversations with them about the crop and having to defend the crop to them or explain the crop to them? And and if so, like how have you handled those conversations with with your, you know, with your peers? Well, again, you know, a lot of my peers, you know, they're not really my horse racing peers. They're, they're, they've just been my peers since we were, you know, 10 years old, nine years old, and, you know, just in a different world. And, you know, as I've gotten in, as I became a jockey, a lot of them started, you know, wanting to know what is horse racing? What does my friend do? You know, oh, and, and then they see me on TV and they're like, oh, my God. And then they speak to more friends and more friends. So a lot of my friends, a lot of people from Rochester and Victor, New York, especially, have gotten into horse racing, not, not because of me, just, you know, just, they just know of me and, you know, they heard some of this and that, and then boom, they go and spend their money and they win a couple of dollars. They like it, you know, whatever. So my friends have reached out to me and, you know, they've seen things, you know, on, uh, on the TV and, you know, they, they just want to be informed. And they're just like, you know, I, I wouldn't say my friends are sensitive, you know, I think, um, you know, they're just, you know, okay. They're, they just want to know, they just want to be informed. And, um, you know, so they've asked me about it and, you know, we've, we've spoke rationally about it and, you know, educated answers both ways. And it's just kind of like, you know, if, if people are just informed and you get, you can you even have examples, have proof, you know, to show them this is why we do this. This is why this. And, and my friends, you know, as woke, you know, they are woke. My friends are so woke. And, and it's just kind of like, hey, thank you for explaining that to me. Now we understand, you know. However, they have sent me, you know, one of my buddies sent me a clip of, uh, you know, a, a rider using the crop an X amount of times. And it was just, in my opinion, it was like way too much. It was, it, it honestly looks bad. It was like, dude, like you're a professional jockey, like pick your horse up and hand ride into the wire, put the stick down. You know, that, that's especially not nowadays. We don't need that, but that just looks bad in general. And uh, I, I told my friends, I was like, listen, that's not the way it's done, man. Like it, it, you would never see that in New York never you know but that's why new york is the best of the best you know and um but it's just a matter of uh explaining it to them but you know and, and they were understanding you know no no but no one that i've no one that i'm friends with or you know has been wanting to have a conversation with me has expressed like oh why do you why do you guys do that and not nah, everyone they just want to know can you explain you know what's up with it and uh you know and, and we'll give our own opinion you know based on your answer i guess but no one's had a problem with it all right so you talked about your first agent and then, you know, I don't think there's probably a stop on the way there, but how did you get to uh, Rudy Rodriguez Jr.? And is that was the, they call him Jr.? What are they, I feel like they don't call him Rudy Rodriguez Jr. I feel like they, he's got a nickname, right? Yeah, I guess a lot of people just call him Jr. Uh, I just call him, I just call him Rue. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I wanted to work with Rudy. Rudy just didn't want to work with me because Rudy's loyal. Rudy's very loyal. He had two riders. Um, and, um, they weren't doing that great, but Rudy didn't care. They, you know, those two guys gave Rudy a shot and he was sticking by them. And I respected that a lot. And Rudy's, Rudy's a good guy. He's a loyal guy. 
And I was just like, my man, I was like, come on, like, I, I'm coming back. Like, just take my book, give me a shot, man. I fin, I finish in the standings at this track and at this track, you know, I, you know, come on. Like, we can do so well together. We're young guys and we can just evolve together. And he liked the idea. Like, the idea was so solvable. Like, I was like the wolf of Wall Street on that. I, I sold my point. I was like my, my, my main penny stock. Come on. And uh, he was... Uh, he was just not biting. So I was like, oh, man. So, you know, I was, I was kind of like, you know, I had this whole plan for us. And I was like, oh, man. So, um, I don't know. I guess Destiny took this course. And uh, just the two gentlemen left for some reason. And Rudy was open. And I was, I just hopped right on it. And everything that I expected, you know, it, it's come to be. You know, like I, you know, besides like, you know, writing the Belmont, whatever. But like everything else, like, you know. We, we, we worked so hard, we, you know, when we were allowed to, we were out there every morning, 5.30 in the morning, you know, we, we weren't getting out, you know, out hustled, you know, we weren't getting out work, and um, that's the most important thing, that's all I asked of him was just, uh, I know all the time you can't give me the best horse, man, but just, you know, work with me, my work ethic is going to be there, just, let's just do this, and he works in the mornings, he works on the computers at nights, evenings, afternoons. You know, he's he's doing his job to get me the best that he can get me and um it's been it's been just as I expected, you know, and uh, and I'm so lucky because, you know, we're both young and we're both gonna we're both gonna evolve together, you know. We're nowhere near our prime and um that's a pretty that's a pretty uh cool thing to look forward to. You seem like a young guy who is, uh, you know, takes a lot of like, you know, you just kind of visualize where you want to go. You always have a plan, it seems like, of of where you kind of see yourself. And and in this summer at Saratoga, like, how do you? I mean, you know, what's your realistic expectation for how that's supposed to go down? I mean, obviously, you know, getting lucky, getting a getting a mount in a in a big race, and and being able to, you know, to 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 pop with that. But what's what's your realistic expectation for for the summer and how you plan on? you know, how it, you know, obviously you shoot for the stars, you want to win the Travers, right? right? But just right. saying, and you know, what's your kind of realistic goal of how it's supposed to go down? My real, my realistic goal is five wins. There's five wins this summer. I know it's going to get down and dirty. I know it's going to get very tough, but my realistic goal is five wins. And I know it's very tough. I, it, it, it seems like such a small number, but anybody who knows Saratoga knows that that's a really tough meet and five wins is, uh, you know, reasonable. My dream, my, you know, if I can get to 10, I think 10 puts you in like the top 10. So I don't know. I think, I think someone, the person finished 10th last year had like 13 wins, something like that. So it was like, it's a really competitive meet. So my realistic goal is five. If I'm able to ride in a, in a big, in a big race. Um, Hey, all I know, if they allow jockeys out there in the mornings, I can just guarantee that I'm not going to get out work in the mornings. I'm going to be out there five in the morning every day asking i'm not afraid to go barn to barn can i help you what can i do for you you know whether it's a gallop the horse work the horse it doesn't matter to me because that's how hungry i am to be there and just to be in new york in general and um but that's my, that's my expectation is just you know five wins you know hopefully a hundred starts and uh go from there you know I'm, I'm not shooting for the stars you know whether we'd like to but just you know trying to keep an even head you know level-headed hey keep building my business five wins hopefully come back to Belmont have double digit wins you know and then and then go from there now you know I'm not asking you to say which one you feel like you're better at but if if you had like one race 
that you had to, you know, and, and, and if you could win the race, you know, someone's going to give you a check for a million. Would you rather that race be on the dirt or the turf? The turf. You put, I, I'll take a turf race any day over a dirt race because I know my style of riding fits me on the turf. Anybody who looks up my chart right now, I mean, I think I have like eight seconds on the turf at this meet in six thirds or something like that. One of those seconds should have been the first, by the way. But <laughs> Yeah, you know, but all of those seconds and thirds I've had, none of my horses have been less than 10 to 1. I don't even think Majestic Dunhill was less than 10 to 1. I think he was like 12 to 1 or something. Uh, no, I think he was. He might have been longer than that. He was yeah. like twenty to one morning line. I know, but right, you know, or like uh, I finished a couple seconds on the wire the day. Bad guy um, was like twenty something to one. Uh, first time starter I had was twenty something to one. Like just a uh, false alarm yesterday was like forty five to one. Finished third. Like I, I know I'm very confident in myself on the grass. Um, I think the grass is something that my brain just like. I think my brain helps me because I don't know. I'm just like, I learn, I know who to follow. Reading the form absolutely helps you on the grass because you know who to follow. You can get out of trouble. You don't get into trouble. And um, I'm just, a, I'm, I'm really just patient. And that, that helps me a lot on the grass. Um, you know, do I always make that Rosario last or first run? No, I don't have those types of horses, but I know I can get my horse in a good position um, maintain my position. And if I'm following the right horses and the right jockeys, I know I'm going to be right there. And, 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 you know, luckily I've, you know, I followed them and my, you know, usually your plan A's don't really happen, but my plan A's have most of the time happened this meet, you know, and, and following the right people. So, um, you know, it was unfortunate. I got bit at the wire that day on the stakes, but, uh, no things happened. Man, I, I'm a, I'm a, I mean, you know, I root for George Weaver anyway. He's got horses with my friend, and I've, you know, hung out with George quite a bit. And so I was, I was, uh, I was rooting like hell for Majestic Dunhill, not only just for George, but, but for, uh, my bank account as well. But yeah, for that, was, sure. uh, that would have been a fun week for George, wrapped that up with Vacoma the day before. And right, right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I wasn't even expecting that opportunity. I, I, I got to say, I've never really voted for George much. And hopefully that, you know, put, you know, at least like a pinky toe in his barn, you know, that I can be on the roster. But, um, you know, that was really cool to have him that day. I worked him a couple of weeks ago and, you know, it's, it's a cool horse, man. He's just uh, so easy to get along with. So uh, hopefully, you know, I'm, 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 I'm back on him. Yeah, no, George is awesome too. From my experience being around him, he's super loyal as well. So, um, you know, he's a, he's a good guy to, to be around. He wins, you know, he wins a lot. He doesn't win at like the rate some of those guys do just cause they have a lot more horses, but he, yeah. man, he strikes, you know? Yeah, he does. He does. What, um, what, uh, what, do you have any big mounts coming up this week or, you know, the wrap up Belmont, you're excited about some stuff that just to kind of get your momentum rolling into Saratoga. Yeah. I mean, uh, Keelan's opening. That means some guys aren't going to be here. So I know opportunities are going to be, uh, they're going to be coming. And, uh, you know, I, I ride Jade Dream for Michelle Nevin in a maiden special weight on Thursday, I believe. And the uh, horse ran super good for me first time out, or first time for me at least, finished second. Um, so I, I'm excited to ride him. But um, I bet, you know, entries, you know, right now, I, I know, you know, every trainer's really preparing for Saratoga, especially these last couple of weeks. So, um, you know, a lot of horses that I've rode that have been in the money, you know, they're not going to be running back. But um, hopefully, you know, with these guys going to Keeneland, and I can get some live mounts and uh, get into Saratoga with, with some proper momentum. 
No, man, it's 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 gonna be fun, man. I'm looking forward to, uh, like I said, I've I've uh, I've uh, just watched you from afar and 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 been a fan, and now I know for sure. I'm like I said, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I'm gonna be clued in. I I've uh, on our podcast, you know, we have this is just kind of like a conversational one. We have another podcast. It's like more like handicapping and horseplay type stuff, and we've made some bold predictions on there and been right. I think uh, we, we said that uh, cloud computing, the, the horse that won the Preakness, we said he'd be a, a grade one winner. Yoshida, we called him a grade one winner before, uh, before. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm calling my shot with you, man. You're, I, I just, if I trained or owned like in, and you know, and, and if I was, you know, trying to get a, a guy to ride, it's, it's, there's just a sense of comfort with, just you know putting someone giving someone a leg up like you that just you can tell is paying attention you know what i mean like that's just the biggest just paying attention that can communicate and you know that can give me that information when the horse comes back i mean you got to be a trainer's dream to be able to explain how a race unfolded so that they can make the right decisions for their horse right you know and, and I'm, I'm you know i know i'm, I'm a young guy and uh, you know i'm a lot of these trainers, especially here in New York, you know, you don't need to tell them anything. They, they could see it, you know, you can just give a little feedback, but they usually know, but you know, I give like, like yesterday on false alarm, finished third, you know, really long shot. And um, I told the mirror after the race, the first time I wrote them, I finished ninth by like maybe 20 lengths. And I was, you know, I was like, Hey, like you put a hot and bit on them. I think, you know, this horse is, she's just very hyper. He's not getting out, you know, or in, he's just, um, I think every time I pull on the bridle, you know, he lifted his head up and, you know, on turf racing, I really want control. I really want to keep my horses in the bridle and in contention and, uh, or just or not even contention, just alert. And, um, you know, he has a sensitive mouth. So I think we should put on a D-bit, you know, just something light and something that'll help him stay in contention. And that's exactly what she did. I mean, um, she put the D-bit on, she, she took my consideration and I really am grateful for that. And, uh, the horse ran super well for her yesterday. So, I mean, I'm just, um, that was, that was really awesome to see. So, you know, but, uh, a, a lot of these, you know, everyone in New York, is, they know what they're doing, you know, and, uh, you know, so the feedback, you know, I'm sure, you know, they'll listen to it, but you know, they, they know what to do. So especially, you know, more than a 24 year old kid. So. <laughs> yeah, but still, man, there's, there's just something to it, man. There's something to, uh, you know, being up there and, and, and actually feeling it and understand what's going on within the race. And it's, you know, as a horse player, that's interesting for us as well, just like to, to understand how such little changes like that, things that we're not aware of too, right? Things that, that uh, you know, you don't see in the, in the past performances that I think can, can really benefit, um, you know, benefit a horse and, and get a horse to run, to run faster. Yep. Yep. No, it is. And, uh, you know, that's all we want. We want fast horses, you know, that's all we can ask. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Well, look, man, look, I, it's, it's your day off and, 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 uh, and you don't have very many of them and, and you, and you're probably not going to have many more of them uh, coming up soon when you get up, when you get up North to Saratoga and you're, and you're hustling and, and, uh, and, and hopefully you get, you know, I, I know it's big for your business to be able to get back there in the morning. Yeah, so, it is. uh, you know, our fingers are crossed for you that, 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 that can go down. Obviously that's going to help quite a bit to, to get you going, um, up there, but, Man, I'm gonna be rooting like hell for you, and and I know that uh, the people that listen to this, I know they're gonna be just as impressed as I am, and and uh, and the the horse playing community, which is a majority of who listen. We have a lot of other people who listen as well. Are gonna be really excited for you and, and your opportunity to get up there and and keep progressing with your career, man. I, I like I said, I, I'm calling my shot right now. You're gonna 
you're going to be, uh, you're going to be the next big thing. And, and, uh, and I, I'm going to be able to, to say that I, I, I called it. <laughs> well, we, we hope so. And, you know, hopefully we, you know, we get the opportunity we stay healthy, man, but I, I appreciate you and taking time to, to have me on your show. I mean, it's so cool. And, uh, I hope, I hope we have a great meet, you know, and I hope to see you up there and, uh, definitely get, you know, get a white claw together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah yeah we'll do a long distance high five yeah. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, it's gonna be interesting gonna i tell be. you what it's gonna be interesting i'm i'm already scouting out patios i can't see myself like going into a restaurant yeah. right now i'm just yeah I, i'm gonna i'm gonna patio it i think for a majority of the time but for sure. still got to get out a little bit and feel a little saratoga i'm really bummed out you know you mentioned the mornings that's like my favorite part of saratoga is going out there in the mornings and like yeah. yep. Yep. riding around in the golf cart with angel cordero which is like the funniest thing in the world to do but <laughs> Yep, you'd, everybody who knows Angel knows he's hilarious. Oh my god, he's great! I'm gonna have him. I'm gonna have him in person when when I get to Saratoga. I'm gonna get him in person. I'm gonna do like a video element to it, you know, and uh, and just get him to tell all these hilarious stories that he tells. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh. Well, Raylu, man, I really appreciate you, man. And we're, like I said, we'll be rooting like hell for you and uh, stay safe and healthy and and uh, keep. Uh, Keep uh, keep them rolling in the right direction. We'll be rooting for you to get your picture taken. Awesome. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. And to all the listeners, thank you very much for your support. And uh, please be healthy. Man, I can see it now. I, I can see it now. I can, I'm sitting, uh, sitting somewhere, having coffee, looking at the early pick five or late pick five at Saratoga. My ticket's getting expensive. And I, I'm coming across a horse that Ray Lou Gutierrez is on. And I, it's going to be hard as hell for me not to include the horse. I mean – you know, I've got a lot of favorite riders. I'm a huge fan of Manny Franco, and you know, I, you know, I love them all. Irad and Jose and and and, and Johnny and, and Joel and you know Javier and Mike Smith and and uh, and you know, I, Eric Cancel is a ton of fun. And and you know, it's 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 I, I got a new. He's like my favorite. This kid is amazing. I, I he is going to have so much success in this game. And if you can't tell that by by now, you're a poor handicapper in your own right. Um, hundred wins as a, an apprentice, hundred wins as a journeyman, and uh, just the dude—he's got his head on his shoulders, the right direction. Uh, he's realistic. Uh, his expectations for this summer at Saratoga—you uh, know, young kids are can be dumb sometimes, you know—and and really set themselves up for failure. And this kid's going up there with this idea that he's going to try to win five races and to continue to grow his career. And uh, a lot of people kind of give that lip service, lip service to working hard, but there's nothing about when he says no one's going to outwork me. Do you feel like you want to bet against him? Um, I'm going to be rooting like hell for him. And, and, and I'd, I'd be surprised if a majority of the people listening here aren't feeling the same way. If you're an owner, if you're a trainer, uh, if you're a trainer, I encourage you to, to give this kid some shots, man, put him on some, some, some live horses, uh, let him get him around there. If you're a, if you're an owner, uh, when, when, when your, uh, when your trainer tells you they're going to try to get IRAD and you get spun, uh, tell them, Hey, let's, let's, let's ride this, this Ray Lou Gutierrez kid and, and, and give, uh, give Ray Lou a shot. So, um, I just want, I'm glad that he's going to be on people's minds, hopefully after listening to this, getting ready for Saratoga. And, uh, like I said, I'll be rooting like hell for him and, and, uh, and I'll be including him. If he wins at 20 to one, I can tell you one thing right now, I'm going to have him on my ticket. So, um, wow, that was fun fun it's 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 fun to 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 hear that uh that youthful enthusiasm and to see someone at the beginning of something that you feel like is going to end up being uh turning out to be great so a uh, huge fan of Ray Lou thanks for the time and thank you to his agent uh Rudy Rodriguez Jr and uh Jr 
I, I, that's what I, I don't even know him, but when I see him, I'm going to call him Junior because Rudy Rodriguez Junior is a mouthful. So holler at him if you've got any mounts for uh, for Ray Lou coming up this summer. Um, what else did I want to say? That's it, man. I look at uh, you know kind of a quicker show here. You know, Ray Lou's he's got a couple of days off, and you know probably got food to eat on his on his off days. I didn't want to keep him too long, so um, I want to thank uh, all you guys for listening once again from the top of the show. I want to thank you guys for your support and uh and uh it really means a lot you know it's just it's it's funny it, it's it's weird i don't I, I can't figure out the science behind it or the psychology but it, it's weird how one stupid message laced with idiocy can outweigh a hundred positive ones and and, and it, that it's backwards and i'm working to to not let that be a thing so i want to thank you guys for that um i want to thank naomi uh talk racing uh, to me with uh, with Naomi. I want to thank the Matt Bernier Show and my man, Matty Ice. Um, I want to thank uh, Spencer, Redboard Rewind. I think he had Ed DeRosa this week uh, talking Stephen Foster, which that should be interesting. Uh, Lone Star for letting us uh, pop that double yesterday. Oh my goodness, I saw the payout there. That was, uh, that was interesting. Flattering, interesting, funny. I don't know the words, but uh, <laughs> keep an eye on that. The horse was, uh, was 11 to 1, paid $22 or something, and the double paid 21 for two. So, uh, I guess people were listening and they played it. Um, PTF. Love you, Bubba. Uh, Drew Coatney, our CFO. I don't think we've officially told him he's our CFO yet, but by the way, Drew, you're our CFO. And, uh, thank all you guys. Uh, like I mentioned, thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Um, check out all the other shows, subscribe. We'll see you guys next week. I need to know everything. Who in the what in the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche, with five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now you be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk. Gotta keep quiet, maneuver in signs to let them and talk up their body. Another one.